Everybody say, not my will, but thy will be done. Amen. That's the most important thing. I remember that uh, we were in a fellowship of believers when we first came to the Lord back in 1977. And we were there for a few years. And then the Lord moved us on. And there was a, a man of God that came to the meeting. I think it was the last meeting that we were there. His name's Denver Jones. Now he's with the Lord. But he was from Wales. And uh, he was a prophet type guy. And he laid hands on us and prayed. And, and I actually have the, written down what he said. But one of the things he said that stuck with me, he says, he said, you're going to learn that the will of God is the most important thing. You're going, you're going to learn <laughs> that the will of God is the most important thing. It's not my will that's important. It's not somebody else's will that's important. It's God's will. And Jesus uh, modeled that for us when he went to the cross. He says, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Can I have an amen? And the 13th chapter of the book of Acts, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now there were in the church. Everybody say, in the church. Amen. You know, thank God for the church. Thank God for Jesus' church. In Matthew, and you know, the, the word church is only used two times in the Gospels, and both by Jesus and both in the book of Matthew. Matthew 16, he says, I will build my church. Whose church? I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the other mention he makes of church in the Gospels is when he talks about how to maintain unity, and that's in the 18th chapter of the book of Matthew. So most of the teaching on, on the church really is found later on in the New Testament, especially in Paul's teachings about the church. And we see, in, uh, especially like in uh, Ephesians and, and uh, also, you know, First uh, and Second Timothy and so forth. Interesting, in First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, Paul makes the statement, he says, uh, I'm writing these things so you'll know how to behave yourself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and ground of the truth. You know, without the church, there would be no truth. I mean, the, the secular thinking would just take over, you know. We're holding the standard, and that's why what Pastor Rich said is so important that the churches really stand for the truth and preach the gospel instead of some uh, pop psychology or something, right? We have to stick with the word of God. We have to preach the word of God. We have to stand for the word of God because we're the pillar and ground of the truth. Amen? But the main thought I wanted to bring out there is he said, which is the household of God, which is the church of the living God. There again, it's his church. Amen? You know, there's leaders, and there's people of influence in the church, and there's people that have different callings in the church. But bottom line is, folks, it's his church. Can I have an amen? And the church is his instrument to change the world. That's his plan. He doesn't have plan B. His plan 
was to anoint and send his church into the world to reach people with the gospel. And I think that's why we connect. We've connected all all these years because you actually have the same vision. I think your mission statement, anyway, I see it around here, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's, That's our mission statement of our ministry. And that's the Lord's mission that he's given us. Because there's people all around the world that need Jesus and they're lost without him. Amen? And the only thing that will save them is the message of the cross of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on that cross. And so our mission is to take that gospel to the world. Amen? And so God is fulfilling his mission and bringing forth his glory through the church. Now what's the church? Well, is it this building? Well, we could call this building the church, but really biblically the church is you. So just turn to somebody and say he's talking about you today. Just, just tell him. Just tell him he's talking about you. You're the church. Amen? We are the church. And in Ephesians, Paul says, it talks about the church, which is his body. Okay? So the church is the body of Christ. Now, there's a term that, you know, we use... And we just, you know, well, the body of Christ, we kind of use it interchangeably, but we have to think about what does that mean? We are the body of Christ. Christ means the anointed one. We are the anointed body. We are the body of the anointed one. And the Bible tells us that he is the head and we're the body. Now, what happens when you have a body that's not cooperating with what the head says? Well, we could, you know, there's different diseases, but we could say the body is paralyzed. And the thing about it is that a body that's paralyzed, it still has life flowing through it, right? It still has life, but it's not able to accomplish much. Amen? Why? Because it's not taking the signals from the head. Turn to somebody and tell them, take your signal from the head. You see, we have to learn how to listen to the head of the church. We have to learn to listen to God, amen? Not our own inclinations, not what we think is best, you know, not our opinion, not the opinion of the person who gives the most in the offering, not the opinion of the person with the biggest mouth, amen? We have to find out what does God want for the church, So the word church is used, of course, of the whole body of Christ, but the other way it's used is the local church. And that's what we're talking about here in the book of Acts. He says there were in the church. He means in the local church. All right? There were in the local church, which was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when he had fasted and prayed, and laid their hand or when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Now, I often call this portion of Scripture here talking about the prayer meeting that changed the world. 
Thank God for prayer, right? The prayer meeting that changed the world because literally the world has been changed because of what happened in this prayer meeting in Antioch. This is really the most significant event in the book of Acts next to the day of Pentecost. As you know, on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus had died and and raised from the dead, and then he ascended to heaven, and then he poured out the Holy Spirit, and then the church was anointed of the Holy Spirit, and they went forth and preached everywhere. And uh, the Lord worked with them, confirming the word with signs following. But we see in the first part of the book of Acts that it primarily deals with ministry to the Jews. And a primary, the primary figure in, during that ministry is Peter. So the first part of the book of Acts is the predominant figure is Peter, and the predominant ministry is to the Jewish people. Although God brought a transition towards the end of that, supernaturally, when he supernaturally put Peter uh, together with Cornelius and had him preach to the Gentiles, and they were saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. But beginning here in the 13th chapter, things begin to change because at this point, an expansion came. This is when the expansion came, and this is when Paul became the predominant figure. Amen? And Paul began to go into all the nations. And I've been reading in in Acts, and it's interesting to me, everywhere he went, he went into a town, and then he went into the synagogue, and he preached. And then pretty soon they threw him out of the synagogue and he started preaching to everyone that would listen to him and reaching the Gentiles. So this this prayer meeting here is so significant because this is the prayer meeting that launched Paul's ministry and sent him into the nations where the gospel was spread throughout the Roman Empire during those days. So if it had not been for what happened in this prayer meeting, we would not have the Apostle Paul. It says here that certain prophets and teachers, and then it lists Saul. Of course, he was later called Paul. So he was not an apostle at that time. He was either a prophet or a teacher. Well, we know he was a teacher. Whether he was a prophet also, I don't know. But he was not an apostle. The Bible does not call him an apostle until after this prayer meeting. Because it was at this prayer meeting that his ministry was recognized and launched to reach the world. And as a result of that, the gospel spread throughout the known world. And as a result of that, then, Paul began to write, sometimes from jail, back to these churches. And that's why we have a lot of the New Testament. So, hey, thank God for this prayer meeting. Amen. Amen? And thank God for prayer. And I know in the history of, a, of a, the country church, there's been times where you've set aside and prayed and fasted for certain things. I know Pastor Rich has told me about that. In significant times, to seek the Lord for his direction and for his help. And that's what happened here. They were seeking the Lord for his direction and help. And they heard from the Holy Ghost. And it said, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. I have called them. I have called them. You know, sometimes you'll hear about a church that they they want a new pastor, and he says, well, we put in a call for this pastor. Or or he would say, I received a call from XYZ Church. Well, it's not biblical. 
You don't receive a call from a congregation. You receive a call from the Lord. Amen? And, and so Barnabas and Saul were called to go and, you know, spread the gospel and establish churches. Now, whether or not they knew it before this or not, I, I kind of think they probably did, but yet the church had not recognized it. So they had this prayer meeting. They're seeking the Lord. They're fasting. It says they're ministering to the Lord. We always think of ministry as being to people, right? But here they're ministering to the Lord. That's our, our worship is a form of ministering to the Lord. We need to minister to the Lord. Uh, we can draw some pictures from the Old Testament about that, how they sang unto the Lord. It's not about entertainment. It's not about, you know, just making people feel good. It's about making God feel good with our praises and thanks. Amen? And, and that, you know, that changes things in our heart. It opens our heart to him, you see. And we love him. And you see, it was in that environment that the Holy Spirit was able to speak. They were ministering to the Lord, and they were in the Spirit. You know, like uh, John said in the book of Revelation, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. There's such a thing as being in the Spirit. And because they were in the Spirit, they were able to hear from God, and they were able to get some direction that changed the world. And see, if you want this supernatural guidance here, you can't just live just a natural life. Amen? You have to be in prayer. You have to be close to the Lord. You have to minister to the Lord. You have to let him be first place, amen? You have to acknowledge his presence in your life, amen, so that you can flow with the Holy Spirit. See, it's one thing to be born again, but it's another to really flow with God. And so here was a church that knew how to flow with God. And we're going to look back to the beginnings of this church and we're going to see that it was not just this one event in which they were a people that were flowing with God, but from the beginning, they were a people that were sold out to the will of God instead of their own inclinations. And because of that attitude, God was able to progress them very speedily and bring them to a place uh, uh, where they were a very, very strong local church. And then they had this prayer meeting with these five men, prophets or teachers, amen? So it was the, the leaders, the preachers, the ministers. Today we would probably call them pastors. But the Bible really points out that we have five different ministers in the church. And here they mention two different ministry gifts, the prophet and the teacher. And these men that were meeting together were prophets and teachers. And they're the ones that received this revelation. So I think it's interesting to me. This wasn't just a, a prayer meeting of the whole church. There's a time for that. We read about that in Acts chapter 4. There was a prayer meeting with the whole church. But this was a prayer meeting of the ministers. And, you know, and yet they really didn't make the decision about sending Paul. The Holy Ghost did. Their job was to discern what the Holy Spirit was saying. So in this prayer meeting, the Holy Spirit moves by a word of knowledge and says, let Barnabas and Saul go. I've commissioned them. Now you let them go. So God has his part, right? 
But the church also has its part. And through their part, they brought release to this ministry that has changed the world. Think of it. If they had not obeyed the Holy Spirit, what would have happened? We wouldn't have had the, we wouldn't have had the Apostle Paul. We wouldn't have uh, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. We wouldn't have all these books, right? Because Saul would have just sat there doing what he had been doing for the last year. He never would have come into his destiny. He never would have come into the will of God for his life, and that would have been to our loss and detriment. Can I have an amen? So we have the benefit of the history. We can look back and we can see what took place as a result of this decision, as a result of this prayer meeting. But sometimes in our lives, we don't have the benefit of seeing the future, what's going to happen as a result of if we obey God or if we don't. But I've learned by experience that it's good to obey God. (laughs) Just like the prophet said, you're going to (laughs) learn that the will of God is the most important thing because when we don't obey or we don't follow the Lord, we don't have the consequences. We don't have the right consequences. In fact, we have the wrong consequences. But when we obey God, then we have God's success on our ministry. You know, I heard one time that Paul Young E. Cho, the pastor of the largest church in the world, they asked him, what, what's the secret of your success, of your ministry? He said, I pray and obey. <laughs> I pray and obey. That's it. That's how the church succeeds. That's how we reach the world. We pray and obey. And, you know, this message, I'm talking about the church and kind of the corporate church, but it also applies to our individual lives. You know, how are you going to fulfill what God has for you individually? Pray and obey. Everybody say, pray Pray. and obey. Just turn to somebody again tell them he's talking to you again now. He's talking to you. Tell them. (laughs) All right, now let's go back to chapter 11. And I want to go back to the beginnings of this church and just, just kind of look at what happened with this church. In the 11th chapter, in the 19th verse, it says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but the Jews only. So here's this people. They were in Jerusalem. And, of course, Stephen was martyred, right? And uh, we see in Acts chapter 7, Stephen was martyred. He died in a great persecution, came upon the church. And as a result, they were became refugees. They had to leave their home, and they were scattered. Well, what did they do? Well, that was too rough back there. I don't want that to happen again here. I'm not going to talk about the Lord anymore. No. They did God's will, right? They preached the Lord Jesus, right? They kept doing the will of God. That's why I say this is a church that was born 
doing the will of God and kept doing the will of God. And that's why at this point, I believe they were able to continue to do the will of God when they had that prayer meeting. So these people were scattered abroad and they're in these different towns. And then it said in verse 20, and some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. So here's these people, they come to Antioch, and of course they're talking with the Jews, but they say, well, let's get this good news out to everybody. So they start preaching to the Gentiles, right? And what did they preach? They preached the Lord Jesus. Amen? They preached the gospel. Now, the word preaching there, in the Greek word, it means to bring good news, to announce glad tidings of the kingdom of God and salvation through Jesus Christ. So what did they preach? They preached the salvation message. See, people can't be saved without the salvation message. Now, this is a parallel to the country church because the country church was established by evangelism. Amen? It began as a result of the preaching of the gospel. And the good thing about it is you're still preaching the gospel. Can I have an amen? So praise the Lord. So they came and they were preaching the message of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. They were preaching the Lord Jesus, which I think... It's something I really like to emphasize because I don't believe we're saved without believing in the Lord Jesus. We have to make him Lord. Amen? Uh, the scripture said, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So when we make Jesus Lord, that's when an, the, our hearts are open to receive Jesus as Lord and we become born again. That's the greatest miracle of all. So we've got people getting born again at Antioch. And then in verse 21, it says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. So turned, that's another way of saying repented. So there was people repenting, and it says a great number. All right? So they've got a move of God is on in Antioch. Then it says, Then tidings of these things came to the ears of the church, which is Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. So here again we have another selfless act because Jerusalem's willing to give up Barnabas, you know, one of their leaders, amen, and we also know that Barnabas was a big giver, and they said, Hey, Barnabas, go. There's a need over there, and we believe you're the man to meet the need. See, this is how the kingdom of God moves and progresses is when we lay down our agenda and take on his agenda. And so they sent Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came down and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave to the Lord. So here in the second stage of the church of Antioch, we have a ministry of exhortation, or you could say encouragement. I think Barnabas' name means son of consolation. You know, he was an encourager. See, we need encouragement. So on top of the message of salvation, then the church was being encouraged right? What were they being encouraged to do? They were being encouraged to cleave to the Lord. That means stick like glue with Jesus. 
Christians need to be encouraged to stick like glue with Jesus, amen, not to be pulled aside by the things of this world, but to determine in their hearts to follow God with all their heart and with all their life, with all their mind, with all their soul, amen. And so Barnabas came down, and he's encouraging them, come on, keep following the Lord, amen. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, that's what we need. And a faith, and then it says, and much people was added to the Lord. So here's another spurt of growth. Because of the ministry of exhortation, all the encouragement that's going on, people are getting saved. The saints are encouraged. They're probably bringing their relatives. Hey, man, I'm following Jesus with all my heart. Why don't you come to, next, to the meeting next week and listen to Barnabas. He's filled with the Holy Ghost. And so they have their meetings, and, you know, uh, Barnabas stands up. He says, I've got a great message for you today. The message today is cleave to the Lord. And the next week he comes and he says, I've got a great message for you today. Cleave to the Lord, part two. And the next week he's preaching again. He says, I've got a really great message for you today. Cleave to the Lord, part three. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that was very, very important. But yet there was more that was needed. In verse 25, it says, Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus to seek Saul. Here again, another selfless act. Barnabas couldn't have said, Hey, man, things are going great here. The offerings are rolling. I mean, they like me. I'm the pastor. You know, it's going good. I'm just going to sit in here and call her good, you know. But no, he says, no, the church needs another ministry to help. It's, you know, I know I'm doing the will of God, but we need, we need another aspect of the ministry. We need some teaching. You see? So he goes to seek after Saul. Now, Saul was the one that was persecuting the church, right? And Jesus appeared to him in the road to Damascus, and he started preaching Christ immediately. And he went to Jerusalem to tell the, tell the apostles, hey, uh, I'm here. I want to be part of the church, you know. And they're going, whoa, you know, you're a persecutor of the church. But Barnabas brings him to the apostles, and, and they meet and so forth. But there was persecution against him. And so then they sent him away to Tarsus, and he was there for a number of years. I don't know, eight to ten years maybe. So it may be that Paul's ministry is kind of on the shelf. We don't know what he's doing over there in Tarsus. But here's this need in Antioch, and Barnabas remembers Saul. He says, I'm going to go get Saul. I'm going to go get Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year, everybody say a whole year, they assembled themselves together. And by the way, the church, church means assembly. That's why it's good to assemble. Amen. Even during deer hunting season. That's my editorial comment. <laughs> Somebody say praise the Lord. Um, they assembled. Amen. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourself together as the manner of some, some is. Amen. So they assembled themselves with the church and did what? Taught, 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 taught. Everybody say taught, taught. 
Now, folks, there's a difference between preaching and teaching. Like what I'm doing today is really more teaching. Okay? In fact, most of the time when I come to the country church, it seems like I teach. It's maybe there's a need. I don't know. But there's a difference between preaching and teaching. We said what preaching was. It's the proclamation of the gospel. Teaching is explaining the word of God. So when Paul came, the ministry moved to explaining the word of God. Right? Because the church needed this as part of their building process. And it says, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So they were taught for a whole year. I, I, I'm always kind of, you know, that kind of strikes me, like a whole year. It's like the Lord is saying, it was really a long time, you know. I mean, we think uh, 20 years of teaching is, you know, is what we need. But the Lord says, no, I taught him a whole year. It's like, you know, the Lord wants us to be taught, but he doesn't, doesn't want us to just keep eating and eating and eating and not doing anything with it. Amen? He wants us taught. He wants us trained. He wants us sent out. He wants us to do something with what we have. So he says, they taught for a whole year <laughs> because there was something that, a foundation that God wanted to lay in this church, and so they taught for a whole year. And it says, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So as a result of the teaching that they received, they received their identity. Now, I imagine, and we don't know for sure, but I imagine that what Paul taught was similar to what he taught in the epistles, which is who you are in Christ, what's really been accomplished for you through the redemption. He brought them deeper into a deeper understanding of what the cross really meant and the resurrection and who they were in Christ and who Christ was in them. And so they became strong Christians. And this was the place where they were first called Christians because remember, before this, it was a Jewish church. Antioch was a cosmopolitan church. They had people from all nations. The five people that we mentioned, one of them was from North Africa. So there's people from all over, different races, you know, that came together. But the gospel's moving in that church. And they were first called Christians. And it says, in those days came prophets from Jerusalem to Antioch. So here's another aspect of the church is that they were open to other ministries. They were open to guest speakers and the fivefold ministry. You know, I have a friend who's a pastor in, in North Dakota in a very remote area. And... <laughs> He's pastor of this really strong church out in the boondocks. I mean, it's kind of amazing. It's like a sign and a wonder. And, and so he was talking to me. He says, you know what? I really believe that one of the main keys to the development of our church, he says that we've always brought in the fivefold ministry gifts. And it's helped to build the body. And there's some... Churches today, that they'll never have a guest speaker unless it would be a missionary because they've got the pastoral staff and that's all they need. But see, we need that input from others. That's important to get another perspective. Even if it's just a little, a little different, you know, we need that to balance us out. We need that, those different flavors to come in. 
So it says, and there stood, a one, stood up one of them named Agabus, signifying by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. And then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren which dwelt in, in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So the next thing we see in this church was they had a heart of giving. When they saw the need, they were moved to meet the need. So you see, this is a pretty strong church, folks. Amen? Do you see the ingredients that went into it? The preaching of the gospel, the exhortation, the teaching, the fivefold ministry, and the spirit of giving. They're strong. They could have easily said, hey, we kind of got it together now. This is, uh, we're doing pretty good. We're called Christians here. We're the first Christian church of Antioch, you know. They could have patted themselves on the back pretty good and said, well, we'll just sit right here. But you see, God had more for them. Everybody say more. I believe that God has more for all of us. I hear that in my spirit often. There's more. There's much more. The, God, the Lord says that to me. There's more. There's much more. We think about the things that have been accomplished and so forth, and we can just want to kind of rest there. He says, yeah, just rest a little while, but there's more. Somebody say there's more. Yeah, enjoy the fruits of your labor, amen? Rejoice in what God has done, but be sensitive to know that God has more for you. Amen? So now back to that 13th chapter again, and we'll just kind of put a little meat on the bones there, and then we'll conclude. But we have this prayer meeting that changed the world. These five ministers. I think it's interesting. I think I, maybe I mentioned that, but the prayer meeting was the ministers. We don't know if there was more than five there. It seems like there was maybe just those five, but there could have been others. But it was... The preachers. Amen. It was the ones that God had anointed to lead that congregation that were fasting and praying for direction when the Holy Spirit said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work work whereunto I have called them. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road here because what would have happened if they'd have said, well, let's survey the congregation. Let's take a vote on this. Let's see what brother so-and-so says. He's one of our biggest givers. Let's just kind of see what the opinion is around here. See, the church is not to be led by opinion. We're talking about the mission's vision of a church. The mission's vision of a church, and that's not only world missions, but it's the, the mission around here or wherever you are. What does God have for the church? Needs to come from God. And God ordains leaders to discern what the Lord is saying. So if you have, well, this one has this opinion, and this one has this opinion, that one has that opinion, man, you just end up with chaos, right? So one person could say, well, I I don't want Paul to go. He's, He's really helped my family. You know, I... I think, I can't see, that can't be God. I I want him to stay here at least another year. 
And someone else said, well, there, you know, there's plenty of lost souls around here. Well, why don't they just do the missionary work around here? Well, it might sound logical, but the Holy Ghost said. Get, get quiet in here. Pastor Rich, it's getting quiet in here today. Or someone else says, yeah, that sounds good. Let's put the whole church budget into Barnabas and Saul and send them. Just shut things down and we'll go all out for missions. Somebody else's opinion. What's the Holy Ghost saying? What's the Holy Ghost saying? Amen. He's the leader of the church. Amen. And he ordains leaders to discern what he's saying. Very, very significant because otherwise you can end up with so much chaos. And this is not only about missions or anything else. Amen. There needs to be order in the church. We've got to find out what the Lord wants. Amen. We can't run the church on public opinion or we'll end up with nothing. We need to say, Lord, what do you really want? Amen. Because a lot of things sound really good, but we got to hear what the Holy Ghost is saying. So the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. I'm in charge. I have called them. And it says, they prayed and fasted some more. And they laid their hands on them. They imparted blessings to them and sent them away. Sent them away. And then if you'll notice in the fourth verse, it says, so they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, by the Holy Ghost. Now, if we would dig into the Greek here a little bit, we see in in verse 3 it says sent, and in verse 4 it says sent. But there's two different Greek words here. In the third verse... It means to send out, to thrust out. The Holy Ghost thrust them out. But the meaning of the, of the, the word sent in verse 3 is to release. It would be like uh, the thoroughbreds when they're about to run the race, right? You release them. So the Holy Ghost sent them, but the church release them. Amen? There's a difference. And you see, the word sent is very significant because the word sent is really the root of the word apostle. It's also the root of the word missionary. Missionary is Latin. Apostle is Greek. Missionaries are sent. Apostles are sent. The whole concept is being sent, right? God does the sending. But the church did the releasing. Very significant. One of the purposes of the local church is to release people into their ministry. Not only apostles, but all of us have a calling that we need to be released into. 
And the work of the Lord in the local church is to bring release to ministry to accomplish God's will. It's not that we're the ones that are doing the sending or we're not that we're doing the calling. We just recognize what God is doing and we cooperate with it. Amen? And that's what, I'm, that's what I believe the Lord wants to get across to you today. We need to learn to cooperate with the Holy Spirit because we will see tremendous fruit if we do. Amen? Because the power of God... That's what we want. We want the power of God in the church. Amen? Not just man's opinion. Oh, I think this. I think that. You know, your opinion is important. Amen? My opinion is important too, but you know what's really important is that we do the will of God. We find out what do you want, Lord? And we step into that and we bring that release. One thing I want you to see, too, is that Saul, Paul's ministry, he's over there in Tarsus. We don't know what. He maybe had a little Bible study. Not much happening there, probably. Barnabas brings him, and for a whole year, they taught the people. Saul was faithful in the local church. He served the local church before he was released into his full destiny. And we need to learn that, that, (laughs) you know, God's place of equipping and developing and training is the local church. And when you serve in the local church, you are growing and you are developing and God is preparing you for what you have, what he has for you in your life. I know a man that's a pastor now, but years ago he was a drug addict in Chicago. I may have shared this story before, but I feel like the Lord wants me to share it again here. And he came to Wisconsin. He escaped because when he was in Chicago, what he did is he stole drug, he, he stole guns from drug dealers in order to get money to buy drugs. Well, folks, you're not going to live too long doing that. And so he was, you know, he, he was about to die in Chicago, so he escaped and he came to Wisconsin to his uncle's place where he lived, and he ended up giving his heart to the Lord and getting saved. But he still had a struggle in his life with alcohol. Not all the time, but once in a while he would fall off the wagon. And uh, he ended up in a bar and got in a fight and got in jail. And the pastor of the church had to come down and get him out of jail and bring him back, and he was just totally embarrassed. And he's going to this church. He's, he mar- actually married a girl from the church, and he's in this bar fight. So he comes back. He says, things are going to change. So he says, I'm going to pray. So he makes a determination. I'm going to every morning before I go to work, I'm going to go down the basement. I'm going to seek the Lord until I find my deliverance. <laughs> and so day after day, he would go, come up, and his wife would say, did anything happen? He'd say, no. But he persevered, he persevered, he persevered. One day he came up, and she didn't have to ask him. She knew something had changed. And he was delivered. And he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit flooded him. 
and he was delivered, and he came to a place where he said, my life belongs to the Lord. I will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He was totally delivered. And so then the Lord put it on his heart to serve. Everybody say serve. Serve. To serve in the church. So he says, Pastor, I want to do something in the church. What can I do? So they gave him and his wife a job babysitting for kids that came for a young people's, uh, young adults Bible study. So these uh, these young families would come, their kids were with them, so him and his wife would take care of them, babysit. That, you know, that was his way of serving. Plus, he started volunteering cleaning the building. So after a while, then, they hired him part-time to clean the building. He became the janitor. And then he started going to Bible school by correspondence. And eventually, they made him church administrator. And so he's taking care of the whole church, you know. He's organizing everything and uh, really felt comfortable in that job. But he keeps going to school, and eventually I think he got, he's got his master's degree by correspondence in theology. Well, anyway, the pastor, a few years ago, the pastor had been there like 50 years, and he retired. Guess who became the pastor of that church? My friend, Reg who used to be steal guns for drug money, is now the pastor of a great church in Wisconsin. He was faithful to the Lord and faithful to the local church, and God promoted him, amen, and released him into his ministry. So we see the same thing with Saul. He was faithful to teach, faithful in the local church, and then God brought him into his destiny. And thank God that church had enough sensitivity wisdom and obedience to follow the Lord and let Barnabas and Saul go and fulfill their destiny. Can I have an amen? I pray that spoke to you in some way in your life, you know, and I pray it will be a blessing for your church. Hallelujah. We pray you have been blessed and encouraged by this message from Tom Shanklin Ministries. Tom Shanklin Ministries is reaching the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. We invite you to become part of this worldwide evangelistic outreach through your prayers and financial support. To request our free monthly newsletter, you can reach Tom Shanklin Ministries at 507-407-HELP. That's 507-407-4357. Visit Tom Shanklin Ministries online at TomShanklin.org or send cards and letters to Tom Shanklin Ministries, P.O. Box 4144, Mankato, Minnesota, 56002.